Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. This is Brad Lambert from Team Finland. I'm Oscar Olesen from Team Sweden. Hey, this is Dylan Grand. Hi, I'm Lane Hudson from the U.S. National Team. Dion Mishak. Fabian Lucell. Cole Perfetti. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Major Junior. Hey, this is Matthew Kachuk of the London Knights. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. Hey, it's Alex Dabrinkit from the Erie Otters. Gerald Dubois from the Cape Breton Screen Eagles. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Mooseheads. This is John Gunther of the Emerson Oil Kings. NCAA. Hey, this is Noah Hannafin from Boston College. Hey, it's Troy Terry from the Denver Pioneers. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. It's Dylan Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers. The NHL Draft. U.S. Lovkovsky from TPS. Hey, this is Kevin Krasinski of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, guys, it's Cutter Goche from the U.S. National Team. Hi, it's Matt Savoy with the Winnipeg Ice. Hey, this is Sarah Manzel from Shaska High School. Nessa Goche, I play for the Quebec Ramparts. This is Ty Nelson from the North Bay Battalion. Hey, it's Dylan James from the Sioux City Musketeers. This is Rieger Lorenz from the Okotoks Oilers. And more. And welcome to the Pipeline Show. And this is the Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Pipeline Show. I hope the weekend is off to a flying start for you. My name is Gee Flaming. I really appreciate you stopping by. And uh, first off, apologies. Obviously, this week's episode is coming out a little bit differently than usual. Usually, it comes out Friday. Uh, looks like I'm probably going to release this one as I'm speaking with you right now. It's almost midnight my time on Friday. Uh, so the intention was I was going to put it out on Saturday morning. Uh, but I'm double-checking that. I think it, as soon as I'm done recording this, the opening segment of the show is actually the last thing that gets done for an episode. I think when I'm done this, it's going to come out the you uh, night owls and uh, maybe people who are living in Europe or something. They're going to get access to it right away. For the rest of you, when you wake up, it'll be uh, wherever you normally subscribe to the show from. Which, you know what, I'm curious. Let me know where you get your copy of the Pipeline show from. The program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, and if you've never tried it, man, I highly recommend that you do, if you can. If you're in Western Canada, then you can. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com, W-I-L-H-A-U-K, beefjerky.com. Three locations in the Edmonton area, if you happen to be around town. Uh, one in Spruce Grove, one in Leduc, and the kiosk in West Edmonton Mall. But it's fantastic. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Now, the reason the episode is late this week, yes, it's because uh, I'm still spending uh, a lot of time, most of my free time spent at the hospital next to, uh, as my kid is recovering uh, from some emergency surgery that she had. Not going to get into uh, all the details of that, but it's going to be a lengthy stay for her, uh, like a couple of months, so bear with me as I uh, do interviews in when I can, and you know, it's it's tough to, it's tough sometimes just to uh, get the availability of the guest that I want. Uh, now i got to also try to time it with uh, when I'm available myself. Usually, I'm at home, so it's no problem. Uh, but moving forward for the next uh, little while, uh, it's going to be a bit touch and go, but the endeavor is to get it out on Fridays as usual. Anyway, let's get right to business. And uh, what we usually do in this opening segment is go through each league that we basically cover here on the program and uh, update you on who's the leading scorer and stuff. I thought I'd change it a little bit, and maybe we'll look at the, the standings. Uh, as most leagues are getting gearing up, you know, it's the final stretch drive to the playoffs. 
So let's do that. Let's look. Uh, let's start in the Quebec Majors Junior Hockey League and can even update you on some of the scores from Friday night. Sherbrooke with a big 8-2 victory over the St. John Sea Dogs and Roy Randa pounding Shakutami Saganin 6-2. But when it comes to the standings, the Quebec Rampart by far the top team in the queue right now. They've got 89 points. The next closest team is the Halifax Mooseheads with 79 so there's a 10-point cushion from first place to second place, and that's just in the Eastern Conference. But when you've squished the two conferences together, Halifax is the number two team anyway. So Quebec uh, right now is uh, definitely the team to beat in the queue. Three teams have locked up uh, postseason bids, and that would be Quebec, Halifax, and the top team in the West, which is the Sherbrooke Phoenix. Won't be long before clubs like Gatineau, Victoriaville, Roy Naranda wrap those up as well. They're the uh, next three teams if you uh, look at the standings in the queue. All right, let's jump over to the Ontario Hockey League uh, where I saw some pretty big scores tonight. 8-3, the Sudbury Wolves knocking off the Erie Otters. The Kitchener Rangers 10-2, pounding the Sioux Greyhounds. And that's an interesting one because uh, Kitchener sitting in eighth right now in the Western Conference. The Sioux Greyhounds are the team trying to catch them while they're moving in opposite directions right now after that one. And uh, the Rangers have games in hand on both Guelph and Flint and could catch them uh, tomorrow as the Kitchener plays Flint on Saturday. Now, those teams are all in the OHL's Western Conference, uh, leading the way are the Windsor Spitfires with 76 points, but London right behind them with 75. Then it's a, then it's a big gap uh, down to Sarnia at 62. Uh, so clearly Windsor and the London Knights are the top clubs in the West. And in the East... As it's been all season, the Ottawa 67s with a big lead. Then it's North Bay, then you've got Barry, and then a drop again to the rest of the pack with Mississauga, Peterborough, Hamilton, Kingston, and uh, the Sudbury Wolves with 50 points. And now Oshawa is right behind Sudbury, so there's a there's a nice race at the bottom of each conference in the OHL, uh, but clearly the, uh, the cream has risen to the top for the... Uh, Ottawa 67s, the Windsor Spitfires, the London Knights, and you could probably throw North Bay into that mix as well and be probably pretty surprising if uh, the OHL champ this year was not one of those four teams. Out in the Western Hockey League, uh, some statement victories on Friday night. Winnipeg, they thumped the Moose Jaw Warriors 7-1, to and that one was in Moose Jaw. Everybody wants to see Connor Bedard and the Regina Pats in the playoffs, unless you're the Edmonton Oil Kings or anyone uh, around the team, because uh, the Oil Kings actually hold Regina's first-round pick this year. Well, Prince Albert doing Edmonton a favor. 6-5, to five, they defeat the Pats, and that one was in regulation time. Significant because the standings in the WHL, kind of like the OHL, where there's nice races at the bottom. The top, kind of already set. The Winnipeg Ice have a nine-point lead right now, over both Red Deer and Saskatoon. Moose Jaw and Lethbridge are secure where they are. Then you've got Regina, Swift Current, Calgary, all tied with 53 points. And the Medicine Hat Tigers with 52, Brandon with 49. So you have five teams basically fighting for three playoff spots. And Edmonton with their fingers crossed that Regina slips out of the mix. In the WHL's Western Conference, well, Dylan Gunther scores a couple of goals tonight. He's got seven points in four games as a member of the Seattle Thunderbirds. The T-Birds have 80 points. They're up by six over the Kamloops Blazers, up by four over their divisional rivals, the Portland Winterhawks. Those three clubs miles ahead of everybody else in the West. And really the only race in the West is between Kelowna and Victoria, where the Rockets currently have a three-point lead and have three games in hand on Victoria. WHL note uh, last week, 
four members of the Moose Jaw Warriors were suspended uh, indefinitely. Um, the update, that's about it, to be determined for standard of conduct violation. That goes to Connor Unger, goaltender, Maximum Warner, who was an Edmonton Oilers draft pick, Lyndon Lakovic, and Merrick Howell, all four players. No idea what they did. Lots of speculation out there, but I don't know what the situation was, so I cannot comment. But the WHL holding those four players uh, out uh, for now. Uh, and going back to the queue for a sec, Zachary LaRue, who uh, jabbed his stick at a fan at a game last week, was suspended indefinitely, and now they've ruled that's going to be a 10-game suspension for Zachary LaRue, who I've said it many times. I have a lot of time for him as a hockey player, but sometimes he just can't get out of his own way. And I don't know what led up to it. I saw the, the grainy video of him actually doing it, but you know, I don't know if somebody could have chucked car keys at him, like from Slapshot. I have no idea uh, what started that, what drew that reaction from him. But you can't do that. You can't be poking your stick at a fan. Uh, let's change gears to the USHL. Unfortunately, the USHL's website, when you look at it, at the standings, you can't actually see the scores. And I'm not going to go back and forth and try to... Uh, just the USHL, man. Just frustrating sometimes what they, how they operate uh, with their website. Youngstown 6-3 winners over the Dubuque Fighting Saints on Friday night. Green Bay got past Muskegon. Des Moines takes down uh, Waterloo. That one went to overtime, and that's a that's a big win for Des Moines as uh, Waterloo is now up to second in the Western Conference. And speaking of the standings, uh, Fargo still the top team in the USHL this season, 62 points. Waterloo right behind them. That's in the Western Conference. The Lincoln Stars within reach of Waterloo, at least, with 52 points. And in the East, uh, Chicago has a five-point lead over the Green Bay Gamblers, and then it's Youngstown, and kind of teams who are basically fighting over scraps uh, to get into the playoffs. Saw a significant trade in the USHL recently that saw a Philadelphia Flyers prospect, Alex Bump, uh, traded from Omaha to the Tri-City Storm, and it looked like a CHL type of transaction. Bump, who will not be back in the USHL next year, as far as I know, as he's going to uh, Vermont, but uh, Tri-City picked up Bump and a 11th round pick in the Phase 2 draft of the USHL uh, Phase 2 draft. Meanwhile, they gave up a player named Hayden Cruz and a second, another second, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and f future considerations uh, for uh, Alex Bump. Now, that's uh, very recently, two games into his career with the Storm, he has a single assist. Over to the North American Hockey League and your standings in the Central Division. Well, it's Austin all the way. They've got 61 points. Aberdeen is the next closest team, only with 48 points. In the East Division, Maryland is on top with 62. you got the New Jersey Titans and the Northeast Generals trying to catch them uh, with 55 and 53 points, respectively. In the South Division, big lead for Oklahoma. 10 points, as a matter of fact, over the Lone Star Brahmas, 69 points to 59. The only division that's really tight near the top is the Midwest with uh, the new club, Wisconsin, 53 points in the Minnesota Wilderness with 52 and Fairbanks with 50. So it's a pretty tight race uh, in the Midwest division. Friday night games in the NCAA. Well, I pulled a couple out uh, because I wanted to talk about uh, Western Michigan. They defeated Colorado College 4-1. to Ryan McAllister picked up an assist in that game. It's his first point since January 20th. 
He's only got one goal since December 3rd. Remember, Ryan McAllister came out of the gate this year like his hair was on fire. He was leading the NCAA in scoring for a large chunk of the season. Well, he's he's relinquished that lead now to uh, Adam Fantilli. And in fact, uh, McAllister has uh, dropped all the way back to sixth now in uh, league scoring. He's still, I mean, he's still having a great year. 41 points in 31 games as a freshman. But his production has just hit a wall here over the last a month or so. And the other game I wanted to mention was uh, between Minnesota and Penn State. 7-2, to the Golden Gophers win. And, uh, oh, Logan Cooley, a five-point night with a goal and four assists. The pairwise rankings now have those Golden Gophers as number one. And this is updated after Friday night games. So if you're listening on Saturday, this is up to date for you. Minnesota number one, Quinnipiac with two. Then the Michigan Wolverines are at three. Denver at four. St. Cloud State is five. Uh, Penn State, BU, Western Michigan, Ohio State, Harvard coming in at number 10. Michigan Tech, Cornell, Minnesota State, Omaha, Michigan State. And at 16, the Magic 16 is Notre Dame. Now, 16 teams get into the national tournament, but you know there are six bids uh, or six invites that go to conference champions including one from Atlantic Hockey, who the top team right now is RIT. They are sitting number 21 in the pairwise. So let's just assume for a second that they get in. That would push Notre Dame out as things stand right now. So it's pretty tight. Other teams on the bubble. Alaska at 17, which is really impressive, not in a conference this year. Uh, Connecticut has uh, fallen down to the number 18 spot. Northeastern at 19. What a terrific beanpot championship of victory for them. Fourth time in five years. Uh, and Merrimack is uh, 20. North Dakota, 22. Providence, 23. All those teams, they got to get hot if they have a chance of making the national tournament this year. All right, that's it for the news and notes. A reminder that all my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Troubled Monk, a brewery that is based in Red Deer, Alberta, but servicing any liquor store in Alberta. So if you're in uh, Grand Prairie or Fort McMurray or Cold Lake or Bonneville or out in Drayton Valley, down south in uh, Brooks or Lethbridge, and you go to your local liquor store, maybe it's in Sundry. If they don't have Troubled Monk, there's no excuse. They can get it. So make sure that you demand that they service your craft beverage needs. And I say beverages because it's not just craft beer. They have spirits. They have soda. They have the Troubled Tea. Matter of fact, I had a delicious orange soda tonight made by Troubled Monk. I like it because they're flavorful without being overpoweringly sweet. I mean, it is a soda pop. But it is not uh, super sweet, which I enjoy because I'm old. Go to troubledmonk.com slash shop. See what's right for you. All right, the guest list uh, this week on the show. I have three 2023 draft spotlight segments. A couple of guys who could be first-round picks, probably will be. The leading scorer out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League as well. And a recap of the Beanpot Tournament and just the overall mystique of that event and what makes it so special. So we got lots we're going to get to. Here's what we're going to do. Lucas Dragasivic of the Tri-City Americans out of the Western Hockey League. He's a defenseman. He's putting up forward-like numbers. You're going to hear from him in the first segment. From there, we're going to speak with Aiden Fink of the Brooks Bandits. He's going to be a future Wisconsin Badger, leading the AJHL in scoring, and that club, uh, the top team in the AJHL itself. Uh, from there, Quentin Musty of the Sudbury Wolves. He was their first overall pick in the OHL priority selection back in 2021 and probably going to be a first-round pick in the NHL draft this summer. 
Let's get to know Quentin Musty. He'll be our guest in segment three, the guest, the third guest segment today. And we will close things out as we do every year around Beanpot time. Jimmy Connolly from USCHO is on. Can't think of a better way to end this week's episode. Well, we're going to kick it off. Let's turn on the 2023 draft spotlight and get set to meet Lucas Dragasivic of the Tri-City Americans. That's next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Feist off the boards to center. Now over the blue line, Bedard, high slot, drag. What a move, Bedard! Through the legs! Scores! What a beautiful goal by Connor Bedard in Calgary! Holy smokes! I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pass, and this is the Pipeline Show. Since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. He fights like an old lady. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. We're going to begin this week's episode in uh, fine fashion as we turn on the 2023 Draft Spotlight segment. But a reminder, The Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, but you can get it throughout Western Canada by going to wilhockbeefjerky.com. My guest this week is a... uh, Probable first-round pick and uh, one of the top scorers uh, amongst defensemen in the entire Western Hockey League. Plays for the Tri-City Americans. That would be Lucas Dragasivic. Uh, Lucas, welcome to the Pipeline Show, man. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I appreciate you making time like this. I know you guys are getting on the bus, getting ready to go out to Seattle and uh, take on the T-Birds. Tell me about this season for you and the Americans because, man, you guys are playing some pretty good hockey. Yeah, we've... uh, we've We've really been playing good this year. It's a huge step from last year, so it's been a lot of fun to come to the rink and play with the guys here. So I, I, I'm really excited for the rest of the year, and I'm and I'm uh, and I'm hoping we're going to have a long run in the playoffs because I know our team's fit for that. I know you guys are uh, right in the thick of the playoff uh, battle here, trying to track down Everett again. You seem like you're going back and forth with them uh, for home ice advantage in the first round. Uh, you're on a little bit of a slide right now as we're speaking right now, uh, winless in your last four. Uh, what's what's gone wrong here in the uh, short term? I, I just think there's been a lot of hockey, so we're a little tired, but uh, that's no excuse for us. I think we just need to play our game and just get back at it and get every point that we can get. So tonight's going to be a good test for us in Seattle, so I, I think we're going to come ready to play, and it's going to be a lot of fun tonight. Lucas, tell me about your season on an individual basis. I know team first and all of that, but uh, when I look at your numbers, I mean, fantastic stats this year, 59 points in just 50 games. You've blown way past your numbers from last year. It's been a remarkable year for you. I have to think you're pretty happy with it. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it, but it's not over yet. I'm still trying to work on my game, work on my uh, work on my overall play. So, um, yeah, I'm happy with how it's going right now, but obviously I'm not satisfied, and I just want to keep on chugging and keep on keep on getting points with my team. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully by the end of the year we uh, finish fourth or 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 whatever place we finish in. But um, yeah, it's team first, obviously, like you said, and. Um, my teammates have helped me a lot this year. Um, so yeah, I, 
I feel good with my play, but obviously I'm not satisfied. I just want to keep on keep on getting better every day. What's the biggest difference for you here in year two compared to last season? How have you changed it and maybe the evolution of uh, Lucas Dragasivic? Yeah, I just think I'm playing with a lot more confidence. Um, I'm playing confident with the puck and without the puck. I, uh, I just know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. So um, I think I just know myself as a player a lot more this year, and I'm playing with a lot more confidence with the puck, and I'm making plays that last year I probably wouldn't have even thought of. So this year I just feel a lot better on the ice, and I'm, and I'm, and I think that's one of the really big reasons as well to why my success is a lot more this year. Has your defensive partner been the same guy pretty much all season, or has that changed throughout the year? Yeah, all all year this year and all year last year, I've had the same partner. So wow. he's been awesome for me. He helps me, and uh, yeah, I honestly couldn't have asked for a better partner to have in my Western League career. Well, feel free to mention who that is. Uh, Alex Seraglio. So he's my billet brother as well. So we get along really well, and we have a good relationship. Uh, that's awesome. Chemistry off the ice, do you think that is why you have such good chemistry on the ice, or at least it has a little bit to do with it? Yeah, I think so for sure. We we feed off of each other. He's a defensive guy, so he helps me and I help him. So um, he's somebody that I can look up to, and he helps me every single day get better at get better at hockey, and I think I help him too. So he's somebody that I, uh, that I really respect and I really enjoy having as my partner. This is Lucas Dragasivic of the Tri-City Americans uh, on the Pipeline Show in the 2023 Draft Spotlight segment. Uh, Lucas, this is a uh, junior and college hockey program, so my regular audience will will know about the Americans, they'll know about you, uh, but there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who don't care about junior hockey at all, uh, but they'll listen to this because you're a, a highly touted prospect for the NHL Draft. So for the benefit of those people, maybe let's get some background. Uh, where are you from? I'm from Richmond, B.C., just outside of Vancouver. All right. Do you remember how old you were when you first started playing hockey, and who got you into into playing hockey? Yeah, I think I was either three or four, and both my parents played hockey growing up. My dad was a coach. He played hockey in the Western League, and um, I think he he put me into the sport, and um, I've just been in love with it ever since. So um, I think it was a family thing, and I just wanted to be like them and continue to play hockey. I, I know your dad uh, from his days with the UBC Thunderbirds uh, head coach, a uh, long-time head coach uh, with the UBC Thunderbirds. That would be uh, Milan Dragasevic, or Dragasevic, excuse me. I was glad that you cor- <laughs> corrected my pronunciation on that before. Um, but, yeah, so I guess having a coach in, in the household like that, that's got to be somewhat of an advantage uh, growing up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he helped me so much. Um, he was always right beside me growing up playing hockey. So um, he's somebody that I still look up to and still ask questions to and, and try and talk to every single day just to pick his mind and uh, get things off of him that I can – add to my game and just add to my overall overall experience playing hockey so he's been great for me and I'm and I'm really happy that he's been my dad and been alongside me through this whole journey. Have you always been a defenseman Lucas? No I uh, I switched to defense actually uh, three years ago so in my Bantam second year I switched to defense and um, I was a forward all the way up until then and then I just switched to defense and I've been a defenseman since then. So in your Bantam draft season that's when you switched? Yeah uh that's when I made the full-time switch to defense. Wow. And what led to that decision? Um, well, my coach my coach kind of looked down the bench in my band first year. That's when I made like the half half decision. And he looked down the bench and he was like, does anyone want to play defense? Because we had a bunch of injuries. And huh. I thought it was just going to be for the rest of the game. So I said, sure. And uh, <laughs> yeah, since then, I've kind of been a defenseman. So um, yeah, um, I'm happy with the switch. And uh, honestly, like I... I don't know where I'd be if I was still forward. 
Well, you're making it look easy. Like that can't be a simple transition to make where you're playing forward all your life and suddenly you're on the blue line and you thought it was only going to be a temporary thing. That's hilarious. But uh, to make that transition, uh, how, do, how do you do that so smoothly that it seems like it's uh, just a natural fit for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I guess. I guess just a lot of work at it and just a lot of video and stuff like that. But honestly, I'm still really new to the position. Like I said, I've only played three years at it. So it's something that I'm still trying to work at every single day because because I'm so new at the position. And that's why I'm really trying to fine-tune my game and just become an overall two-way defenseman. Because I think I have the offensive abilities to, to play, but I just really want to work on the defensive side of the puck so I can so I can be trusted on the ice more and stuff. So... Like I said, the position is really new to me, so hmm. I'm just trying to just trying to get better at it every single day. That's really interesting. Well, that versatility you could play forward, I, I suppose, in a pinch uh, as well. So that's uh, that's useful yeah. knowledge uh, moving forward. Uh, take me back to the Bantam draft uh, and what that day was like for you. And I know you didn't have to wait all that long to to uh, find out where you were going, uh, fourth overall pick by the Americans in in 2020. But I know some guys got to stay home from school and and uh, and kind of follow it. Uh, other guys were at school trying to, you know, keep track of things on their phone or whatever. Uh, what was draft day like for you? And I'm, I'm thinking in 2020. Oh, that's before COVID, I, I think, isn't it? Or was that the COVID uh, draft? No, that was that was actually right in the middle of COVID. Oh. So um, everything was canceled at the time. So I was I was lucky enough to be home with my family and celebrate with them. So um, yeah, I wasn't at school or anything like that. Um, it was a really good experience. I was sitting there on the couch with my family watching it and. Uh, yeah, it's definitely an idea that I'll never forget. Uh, how big of a change is it or, uh, you know, something to get used to uh, going from playing in Vancouver, in the Vancouver area, in Canada, leaving the country and going to play in, in Kennewick, Washington? Yeah, it's a big difference, obviously. Vancouver's a huge city and Tri-City's not, as, not even close to as big as Vancouver, but it's been awesome. Like, the fans here, the billets here are awesome. The staff here for the Americans are great, so they made the transition a lot easier and Obviously, we have a lot of guys from Canada on the team, so that makes it a lot easier as well. But the transition was pretty good. I, I mean, the coaches here were great for us. I mean, they they helped us out so much. So, yeah, the transition was pretty good. But um, obviously, I miss my family at times and stuff like that. But um, it's been good here, and the staff really welcomes us and makes us feel like home. When I watch games that are played in the states, in the in whichever five of uh, of the five WHL cities in the states. Um, I notice the difference with the fan base and just how more active and and maybe how more involved they are. Uh, and I, I have very limited experience of uh, calling games down there. But as a player, do you notice it too? Is there a difference between the Canadian fans in the building and the American fans in the building? Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. I think the American fans really get into it. Um, I think they, uh, they're a lot more dedicated in it. And they're a lot louder. So, I mean, we've gone to a lot of games in Canada, like we did our Saskatchewan and Manitoba trip this year, and mm-hmm. I think uh, I think that really showed us how how lucky how lucky we are in the in the U.S. division to have such passionate fans. So, I think we're really happy with our fans this year, and I think and I think as we keep winning and keep playing good hockey, then our fans are just going to keep getting better and better. Lucas, I know you got to get on the bus here uh, right away, so I'm gonna only a few more questions for you. But uh, do you think uh, about the draft a whole lot? I know there are some guys who say they don't want to think about it; they don't want it to be a distraction. There are other guys who tell me they want to know who's got them ranked where, and they use that as motivation. And what about for you? Um, I mean, yeah, obviously I look at it from time to time, but it's not something that I that I look at regularly. It's something that obviously is going to show up on social media, all over my Twitter, all over my phone. So. Um, 
it's kind of inevitable. Sorry, um, it's kind of something that that's just gonna happen. It's just gonna, it's just gonna like, just gonna show up on my phone. So sometimes there's nothing really I can do about it. So um, yeah, I look at it, but it's something I also try and keep out of my mind and just focus on my team's performance. Uh, you, I have to think you've been doing a ton of interviews this year, no? Yeah, I've been doing, I've been doing a few, so they've been good. It is a good interview. You're a good conversation to have. Or is is this something that uh, is natural for you, or is it something you've just gotten better at uh, over the last little while? Yeah, I think it's something I've gotten better at. It's something that um, that I think is important. So, um, yeah, I, I try and take pride in and trying to try and do my best. And uh, yeah, at, at first I wasn't very good, and then I just kept trying to work at it and get better at it. So. I think I've become pretty good at it, but um, yeah, I think it also comes natural. What do you like to do away from hockey, Lucas? Uh, I just like to hang out with my friends and really just uh, play tennis in my spare time in the summer and um, just hang out, just go fishing or or whatever, play golf and stuff like that. Just kind of try and stay active, but uh, also take my time when I need it. Movie guy or uh, Netflix on the bus or something like that? What do you do? Uh, Yeah, I just try and watch Netflix and or uh, or shows and stuff like that because I can't really sleep on the bus, so ah. I try and uh, try and use my time watching movies or shows. What's a go-to that you would recommend for somebody who's looking for something to watch? Um, I actually just watched all of the Star Wars. First time? No, no. Um, I used to I used to really like them when I was younger, and a couple of guys on my team recommended them, and I kind of forgot about them, so. I just rewatched every single one of them, and it was pretty good. I forgot how much I liked them. All right, so when you rewatch them now, do you start at episode one, or do you start like as they came out in theaters and start with episode four? I made the mistake by watching it one through six, and a bunch of guys on my team gave me a little bit <laughs> gave me a little bit chirps about that because they said four, five, six, and then one, two, three. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't really, I don't really know because I watched them so so long ago when I was younger so um yeah honestly they're really good movies and I uh and, and I'd probably recommend them if you were on the bus for a long time now I noticed that you stopped at six does that mean you didn't watch seven eight nine no I didn't no those <laughs> ones are too new <laughs> excellent Lucas listen I really appreciate your time man uh, best of luck the rest of the way say hi to Jalen Lipen for us uh, up here in Edmonton I will all right thank you good luck man see ya thank you that was Lucas Dragasivic of the Tri-City Americans. Uh, now, the Americans, I had that conversation with him uh, earlier in the week. Uh, they were on their way to Seattle or about to get on the bus. They ended up losing that game. It was uh, a 4-2 final, but they trailed 3-0 going into the third period, scored two late-ish goals. Dragasivic was uh, the primary assist on the second goal and then an empty netter. So pretty close game, uh, but they dropped that one against the Seattle Thunderbirds. The good news for Tri-City is they get Seattle again this weekend. In fact, uh, Friday night they are taking on the T-Birds, and that one is in Kennewick, Washington, as is the game on Saturday against Spokane. Then they're up in Kelowna for Monday, and that's just a one-off. They're back in Tri-City again on Wednesday when they'll square off against the Everett Silvertips, and then yet another game against Seattle next Friday. Just a heck of a year for Dragasivic, and I don't know if he's getting as much attention as he probably deserves. I mean, he's not small. It's not like he's a 5'10 defenseman. He's 6'2", skates well, and is putting up big numbers. I would think, you know, and I don't have comparisons to Olin Zellweger, but, you know, coming out of the same division of the same league with similar stats, I'm surprised we don't hear conversations uh, like that. 
you know, maybe a bit of a draft day wild card. Next up on the Pipeline Show, we're going to keep the 2023 draft spotlight turned on. The leading scorer out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League is Aiden Fink. He is uh, with the Brooks Bandits, not a surprise there. And uh, headed to the NCAA where he will play with the Wisconsin Badgers next year. Let's get to know Aiden Fink next here on the Pipeline Show. Brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Tigers can't clear. Balamaki again. He'll go cross ice. Sandu spin shot. Save. Rebound. Score! Balamaki makes it a 5-3 game. Hey, Juso Balamaki from the Tri-State Americans. And you're listening to Pipeline Show. talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goal. He scores. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. He scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious man. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Is the cheapest drug there is. Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and we're going to turn on the 2023 draft spotlight. Get to know another player that is eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. But uh, before we do that, quick reminder. Wilhock Beef Jerky, it's Alberta's best beef jerky, and you can get it anywhere in Western Canada. You can either pick it up in the Edmonton area, three locations, or you can go to their website at wilhockbeefjerky.com, and they will ship it to you uh, anywhere in Western Canada. All right, my guest today is uh, the leading scorer in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, top scorer for the top team in the league with the Brooks Bandits, and that, of course, means Aiden Fink is on the Pipeline Show. Aiden, welcome to the program. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Well, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you coming back. Just for the listeners' uh, benefit, you and I did this about two months ago, kind of. We got about four or five minutes yeah. in, and uh, the phone got snatched away by Hockey Canada as you had to go for uh, practice. You're getting ready for the World Junior A Challenge at that point, so it's been a little while. Things have changed <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but it has. I, I appreciate you making time uh, and coming back again. Uh, tell me about this season with the Bandits. We'll look back at the World Junior A Challenge in a second, but uh, with the Bandits this year, I right. mean... It's a perennial powerhouse, uh, that club, and uh, you're the top scorer. So I have to assume you're uh, pretty happy with the season. Yeah, yeah. The season's going really well as a team. Uh, we're trying to lock up first place in the whole uh, in the whole league right now. So uh, we're trying to win some games here. But, yeah, the team's doing unreal this year. Well, you got, what, about seven regular season games left to go, I think? Uh, and uh, you're sitting yeah. uh, with, you know, an eight-point lead over the Spruce Grove Saints uh, for first place in the AJHL, so yeah. it's not locked down just yet, but it seems like it's just a matter of time. Yeah, exactly, and that's the mentality you got to have. Well, for you personally this year, I don't know what your expectations were coming in. I mean, you had an awesome season last year as a as a rookie with 53 points yeah. in 60 games, but and you got 88 points right now in 48 games. Uh, you've blown way past yeah. your numbers from last year. Is this what you expected, or are you even a little bit surprised? Ah, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm a little bit surprised surprised but also expected i feel like i've had a pretty good year this year i've had uh, i've been playing with uh one really good line mate uh with uh 
cuts in Malinowski, so mm-hmm. he's made it a little easier. But uh, yeah, definitely a little surprised. I, I looking at the league stats and and saw that he's played you know a, a bunch fewer games than the rest of the guys on the team. Is he a little bit banged up now or before? Yeah, so after uh, World Junior A Challenge, he uh, he had a little wrist injury, but uh, he he got he missed about a month, so he's doing better now. He's playing, so that's good. All right, so back and ready uh, for the stretch drive into the postseason. So that's good timing. Yeah. Good. Yeah. What's the difference for you between this year and last year, other than you know a, a season under your belt? And I imagine there's a comfort level that goes with that. But when it comes to development yeah. and things, how are you a different player today than you were say 18 months ago? Yeah, I think I've just uh, been continued to develop my uh, my skills a lot. Uh, I feel like I'm a different player because I'm in a different role. I feel like last year I was more of a secondary scoring because we had TJ, yep. Callie, and uh, Devin Phillips there. But uh, this year, yeah, I definitely fit in the uh, first, uh, first line role. So uh, I feel like, yeah, I'm just doing a lot better this year, and it's good. Aiden Fink is my guest. He's a forward with the Brooks Bandits out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Uh, he'll be going to Wisconsin. We'll talk about that in a moment as well. But, uh, Aiden, uh, this part of the show, we like to open it up for my audience to get to know a player who's draft eligible. And uh, the Pipeline Show is a junior and college hockey show, so my regular audience will know about you already. Uh, but for the casual uh, NHL fan that's going to be listening to this just because you're draft eligible... They might not know anything, but probably don't even know where Brooks is. Yeah. Uh, so for the benefit of those people, uh, let's get some background. Uh, I know you're an Alberta guy. Are you born right in Calgary? Yeah, I'm born and raised in Calgary. Uh, who got you into uh, hockey at a young age? Uh, I think my older brother and my dad. I don't know. I just always I always went to my older brother's uh, hockey games. And, uh, yeah, just loved the game ever since I was about three years old. How much older is the older brother? What's his name? Uh, he's 10 years older. Wow. Uh, his name's Cal Reed. Uh, my uh, whole family's 10 years apart. So yeah, I got two brothers that are 10 years apart from me. Wow. Okay. When you're a little kid, I mean, you just want to tag along and, and do whatever your older brothers are doing. So it seems like a pretty natural thing. Yeah, that exactly. You watch them and you want to, you want to duplicate what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. I, I love the mini sticks in the rings. You're a forward. Have you always been a forward, Aiden, or did you uh, try other positions uh, along the way? I've always been a forward. Uh, one time in novice when we were switching goalies, I, uh, it was my turn to play goalie, and I started crying because I uh, <laughs> didn't want to play goalie. I loved forward too much. So, well, what's the attraction to being a forward? I like, I love those stories about being a goalie for one day or something. But uh, <laughs> I mean, you're obviously an offensive guy, and I imagine putting the puck in the net or or helping somebody else do it. Yeah, now that's the thrill for you. Yeah, that is. I, I love scoring goals, or uh, you know, my line mate scoring goals. So that's what kind of got me as a forward. Uh, I know uh, a lot of guys in in Canada, especially in in the West, would be looking at the the Western Hockey League. For you, uh, does anybody hold your rights in the WHL? I, I know you're going to the NCAA, so it probably doesn't really matter. But yeah. was the WHL on your radar for you know growing up to a certain age? Yeah, so uh, I think the Calgary Hitmen still have my rights. Okay, I'm not too sure. I think I'm on the college list. I haven't heard anything, but yeah. When I when I was growing up, we had uh, Hitman billets, and I loved the WHL. Like loved it. But for me, I just thought growing up, you know, I was a little smaller, undersized guy, and I felt like I needed more time to develop, and I just felt like the NCAA was a better route for my development. So that's how I kind of picked it. All right. You mentioned size. I didn't bring it up. Uh, the sheet I'm looking at is uh, says 5'9", 152 pounds. I don't know how up-to-date that is. Uh, what are you at now? 
Uh, I'm about 5'2", 157, one, or sorry, 5'10", 150, uh, 158. 5'2"? <laughs> yeah, wow. I don't know why 5'2". I don't know why 5'2 came out of my mouth there, but yeah, 5'10". All right, 5'10 and 158-ish, you said? Yeah. So I, I imagine one of the things you're working on is to try to put on some muscle. And you, you talked about taking the college yeah. route because you think that will uh, enable you to do that, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I am definitely working on my uh, weight and strength right now. So at 5'10", uh, what would be a comfortable or a target weight for you, in your opinion? 5'10", I would want to be about 160, 165, I think. Maybe a little heavier, but not too much. I still want to have my uh, speed and agility in, in the corner. So right. I think 165-ish. Okay. You're 18 now. Have you topped out height-wise, or do you think there's still a little bit of growth there? I, I still think there's growth here. Uh, my dad was a late bloomer, too, uh, so I, I still have hope for uh, growth, and I'm trying to do everything I can to you know, get to the 6-1 six, six mark kind of thing. Okay. Uh, now, why Wisconsin? Why was uh, becoming a Badger the right fit for you? There's a lot of uh, great hockey programs, and uh, but playing for Tony Granato and the, and the Badgers, uh, it feels right for you. Why? Uh, I just felt, I, you know, I grew up uh, watching Cole Coffee play there, uh, Dylan Holloway, and I, you know, I, I always loved the Wisconsin college, like, just something in, something about it, you know, I just always loved. It's kind of like my dream school, you know, they got an un- unbelievable program, unbelievable hockey program. Uh, yeah, it kind of just led me, and I'm also a really big Green Bay Packers fan, so, you know, mm. I'm in Wisconsin, can go to some games there, so. That's what kind of led me to Wisconsin. Interesting. All right. Well, they have produced a lot of uh, yeah. future NHL players, that's for sure. And you mentioned Cole Caulfield. Is he a guy that you kind of look to as, all right, he's about my size and uh, he's an offensive guy. I can kind of pattern my game a little bit after him. Is that where that comes from? Yeah, definitely. I I like to watch a lot of Cole Caulfield uh, shifts and that stuff. So definitely. Interesting. All right. Uh, and you'll go next year or do you have another year of uh, junior uh, junior A first? Uh, I'll be going next year. That's the plan as of right now, going in next year. So that'll be fun. Aiden, uh, I talked to a lot of guys in this show in their draft year, and a lot of them don't really think about the draft, or they say they don't try to think about the draft because they don't want that to yeah. be a distraction for them. Uh, but there are other guys who tell me they, they want to know where Central Scouting has them ranked or TSN or Sportsnet or whoever it is, mm-hmm. and they use that as motivation. What about for you, Aiden? Yeah, I definitely uh, – I'm not too invested in the draft right now. I – I more want to win a Centennial Cup with this team because, you know, it's just a great group of guys. But, you know, definitely uh, using uh, Central Scouting as motivation to get better every day. Well, you know, I, I feel like, yeah, I I like that. Now, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, and obviously you can look at the stats and see 88 points, 35 goals in 48 games. All right, you're an offensive player. But the stats maybe don't paint yeah. the whole picture. How do you describe yourself as a player when uh, when people ask you that question? Yeah, I describe myself as a fast, uh, you know, high hockey IQ. I'm relentless on the puck at all times. Uh, you know, I, I'm a defensive player. Last year I was put in a role to play against the other team's top line, so I feel like I have that defensive awareness and that stuff. But, yeah, I think I'm just – I'm always on the puck. I'm always relentless on the puck. There's, you know, I'm just working as hard as I can every shift. Well, I told you we'd mention the, the World Junior A Challenge, and, uh, man, you had a great tournament, 12 points in just six games. Uh, representing uh, Canada West. The round robin was awesome for you guys. And then what happened? Yeah, you know, it's, it's tournament play, right? So, you know, one game you can score and one game you can't. But unfortunately, the game we couldn't. It was the semifinals and, you know, just didn't go our way. But I thought the team had a 
you know, a really good tournament. So I was happy for that. Yeah. And was, I mean, five teams, right? And you finished first in the round robin portion. And went, I, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, I think you went undefeated. Yeah. Was it Canada East that actually knocked you out in the semi? Uh, yes. Yes. Wow. I don't think we went undefeated. We, I think we lost to Sweden the last game. Okay, we were three. We were three and one. Yeah, lost to Sweden in the last game. Fair enough. Getting to wear the maple leaf, though, I imagine that was a thrill for you. First time you'd been able to do oh. that. Oh, just growing up, seeing other people wear that maple leaf. You know, I always wanted to do that. Given the opportunity to do that, I, I it was just it was unbelievable. Can't explain it. Well, what do you like to do away from the game, Aiden? Uh, I'm a big football fan. I love uh, watching or playing. Uh, football on Sundays. Um, I like to play video games with my teammates. Uh, my buddies back home kind of keep in touch with them. And yeah, that's, that's kind of my thing. What's, what's the go-to video game? Uh, right now I've been uh, kind of playing a little bit of Madden. I'm big into Madden right now. Another football. It's just football, football, football for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up in a, my dad played for the University of Rams football. So he kind of taught me to play football. So Okay. Just love the game. And you said you play it with teammates? Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes we have a Sundays off. We'll go out to the field and throw the ball around and that stuff. No, no, video game-wise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to play with teammates and uh, buddies back home. All right. So on the Bandits, who's the best gamer and who's the worst gamer? Oh, oh I got to think about this one. <laughs> um, I think po- Brendan Poshak is a pretty uh, pretty good uh, Call of Duty player. Okay. Um. Worst, who? I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of people who think they're pretty good, but uh, aren't aren't as good as they think. Well, like you, myself, I, you can I trash talk pretty, them now. You can that, you can shout out their names now because they're they're probably not coming <laughs> on the show. So you can have the last word. <laughs> yeah, I I can say there's a lot of bottom end guys. Let's just say that <laughs> that think they're good, but aren't. <laughs> Awesome. I think I'm in that category too. Aiden, listen, man, this has been fun. I really appreciate your time. Best of luck the rest of the season here with uh, the Bandits and into the playoffs. And uh, you mentioned the Centennial Cup in, in uh, Porters La Prairie in Manitoba this year. I'm, I, I'd be surprised if we didn't see the Bandits uh, challenging there once again. Thanks for this, man. Yeah, thank you very much. That was Aiden Fink of the Brooks Bandits. And uh, since I had that conversation with Aiden earlier this week, uh, the Bandits have played again and, of course, won again. He's up to 90 points now, 35 goals, 55 assists, 90 points coming into this weekend's play, uh, just 49 games under his belt. Big numbers from uh, not a big player, but, man, you look at Cole Caulfield, which is, it's funny to think when he's, when Aiden said, I grew up watching uh, Cole Caulfield play. It's not that long ago Cole Caulfield was on this show as a player who was in his draft year. So it's funny how that uh, changes over time. Pretty sure Caulfield was looking at guys like Patrick Kane and and things like that. And now Caulfield is the player that other guys, his uh, height and size and maybe skill set, uh, they're looking at him uh, for inspiration. A couple more segments uh, to go on this week's episode, including another 2023 draft spotlight. We're going to the OHL. Quentin Musty, the first overall pick a couple of years ago, he plays for the Sudbury Wolves, and he is on the Pipeline Show next. Brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. This is Rieger Lorenz from the Okotoks Oilers. Second unit on. Divine. Centering. Tip. Score! Rieger Lorenz. First collegiate goal. 1-0 Denver. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. She looks so fine. A champagne of wine. No one ever knows. 
compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Yeah, I heard about that thing on the AM radio. Oh, hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and uh, we're going to continue with the 2023 draft spotlight segments. We'll just keep that turned on as we get to know another player that's up for the NHL draft uh, this summer. Uh, and, of course, the reminder that The Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, and you can get it throughout Western Canada, which unfortunately means it's too far away. Uh, for my next guest, who is in uh, Sudbury with the Sudbury Wolves. And, of course, that means I'm speaking with uh, Quentin Musty. Uh, Quentin, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, but I'm not uh, being touted as a first-round pick for the NHL draft this year. So I think your life is a little bit better than mine right now. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But Tell me about this season uh, for you and the Wolves. Uh, Let's start with the Wolves uh, right now. Uh, As I'm looking at the standings, if the playoffs started today, you'd be in. But by the hair of your chinny chin chin, you got uh, a lot of work still to do here, and it comes, it might come right down to the wire. It's exciting hockey times right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're definitely battling right now um, for that last spot, and you know, we got some guys out with injury and suspensions and all that. So once we get those guys back, I think we should make a, you know, a good push to keep that spot and then make a good run as well. So. Well, on the on you know on the whole for the season, are you satisfied with the, where things have been for the Wolves this year? Is this kind of what you expected the season to to be like, or with these injuries and things like that, do you think uh, that's that's hurt you guys? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely not uh, satisfied with where we are. I mean, I think uh, coming in, we we uh, have a pretty deep roster and uh, pretty pretty uh, older team, if you would say, and. Yeah, I think we were uh, expecting to do a little bit better, but yeah, like I said, uh, you know, injuries and suspensions and all that have, you know, slowed us down so far. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, definitely not uh, satisfied where we are, but yeah, I think uh, we'll come out uh, in a playoff spot at least and then make a pretty good run. All right. Well, I know the team, as we're speaking right now, has played 50 games. Uh, Next to your name, I see 36. So you're one of those guys who have been banged up this season. Where are you at right now? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, pretty, pretty back to 100%. Um, just had a hand injury a little, uh, actually got into a fight and, uh, uh I got a fight bite, if you know what that is. And yeah, yeah I had to get a, a surgical, uh, procedure done on it to, you know, get all the infection out and stuff. So that took me out for about a month and I missed, uh, I think nine, eight or nine games for that. And then, uh, I got suspended as well earlier in the year just for, uh, uh, like uh endangering fans i think i flicked like a piece of garbage out so okay yeah i got a i got a suspension for that and uh yeah that's where i am right now i should be back in 100 percent to finish off the year all right uh is is fighting something that you're accustomed to or was that just a, a one-off thing uh in this uh league the ohl i've had uh four fights so far so hmm. i mean uh it's not not a big part of my game but yeah i'm willing to you know drop the gloves and you know, try and change the momentum. So, well, and you're a guy with size, and you have a, a physical side to your game as well, and maybe that's just part of that package. But at the same time, you're one of the most valuable players on your team, and I imagine there are some people who don't want you uh, spending five minutes in the penalty box. 
or getting injured. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I think I do it at the right time and the right people. So, don't management and coaches don't get too upset with me about that. But Quentin Musty is my guest. Uh, Fifty-two points this season, thirty-six games under your belt, uh, or what did I say, thirty-seven? Uh, Fifteen goals, thirty-seven assists uh, along the way so far. What were your expectations coming into this year? I mean, you're way past a point per game player. Last year you were 31 points in 50 games, so you're you've blown those numbers out of the water for sure. Uh, but is this what you expected for yourself? Uh, yeah, I definitely thought I'd uh, make a make a decent jump from last year, just because you know just experience in the league. You know, it's a tough league to come into, especially as a you know 16 year old playing against a 20 21 year old. So yeah, I definitely you know expected to make a a big jump this year, and uh, yeah, I'm just you know putting my nose down, working hard, and it's paying off. So. How are you a different player right now than when you first put on a Wolves jersey, what, like 18 months ago? How What's the evolution in your game? Yeah, I think just uh, confidence is a big thing, you know. Uh, just when I play with confidence, I feel like, you know, especially when I'm given more opportunity and, you know, stuff like that, I feel like the game doesn't come easier to me. But, you know, you definitely feel more comfortable out there and, uh, you know, comfortable to make the plays that, you know, you can make. So I think that's just... Uh, adjustment this year i seem to recall when the the wolves announced they were taking you uh, in the draft um like you were a big kid back then were you six two even at that young age yeah i think i was around uh six foot mark back then uh i think I'm about six two now so okay definitely uh a little bit of growth still but yeah i think i'm I think i'm slowing down a bit yeah but um yeah always been a, a bigger kid so uh quentin musty is my guest he's a forward with the sudbury wolves uh, draft eligible player this year uh quentin what the the pipeline show is a junior and college hockey show uh, so my regular audience will know about the wolves they'll, they'll follow the ohl uh, and obviously you'll be on their radar but there'll be a lot of casual nhl fans who will listen to this segment because you're a highly touted prospect for the nhl draft and those people might not even know where sudbury is on a map so for the benefit of those people uh maybe let's get some background uh, first off and uh, take me back uh where you're from uh, where'd you grow up uh I actually grew up in uh, Hamburg, New York. It's uh, just outside of Buffalo, mm-hmm. and yeah, just uh, played my junior or minor hockey there uh, at a local town near me. Uh, just double A hockey, and then when I was about 13, 14 years old, uh, made the jump to play triple A, and then yeah, just kind of took off from there. And then uh, yeah, my my draft year for the OHL, uh, I moved to New Jersey just to play, you know, for better team better organization and mm-hmm. yeah i ended up getting drafted out of there uh, ohl um had a lot of interest in it so yeah i ended up uh getting drafted it was a really humbling experience so yeah that's uh my background all right well i'm gonna go in the early days again who got you interested in hockey in the first place um uh i was always uh watching hockey when i was younger my dad was a big uh detroit red wings fan but um but one day, uh, just when I was about three or four years old, my mom uh, signed me up for learn to skate kind of thing, and yeah, I didn't really didn't really love it at first, uh, you know, falling all over the ice and stuff like that. But uh, as soon as I, uh, you know, found out what a hockey stick was and kind of fell in love with it, so that's just where it started. Have you always been a forward, or do you try other positions along the way? No, I think I was a defenseman until I was about uh, ten or eleven years old, and yeah, just. Uh, I think I was playing double A hockey at the time, just made a, you know, a nice move and kind of went end to end kind of thing. And then 
coach just threw me on forward. So <laughs> ever since then, I've been a forward. Uh, I know uh, talking with players, maybe when they were six or seven years old, your your team might not have had a full time goaltender, so everybody had to take their turn in net. Did you have a a, a game like that? Uh, no, I never. You know, like every kid, you know, you're always begging your parents to play goalie. My dad, my dad was actually a goalie when he played uh, up until high school, kind of thing, and. Yeah, my younger sister is actually a goalie as well, so okay. I'm the only one in the family that uh, you know, decided to play out. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know. My dad just uh, he told me absolutely not when I was younger, and <laughs> yeah, and then, I don't know. I think with uh, my sister begging, uh, girls got a little soft spot for him, so <laughs> he let her. Well, it seems to be working out uh, pretty well for you as is, so uh, probably not a mistake. No. You were playing in North Jersey uh, for the Avalanche, and that was the during the COVID year, right? I mean, how much did you actually get to play a lot of games? Uh, yeah, we played a full season. I mean, uh, I I ended up only playing about a month. Uh, I had shoulder surgery that year, but okay, yeah, my team uh, my team itself had a full year. Everything in the the United States was pretty open back then, just uh, hockey wise. I mean, there's still you know a lot of mandates and stuff you had to go through, but. Yeah, we got a. We ended up getting a full year out of it. I mean, there was a couple shutdowns like last year in the OHL kind of thing, just a couple weeks. And yeah, but we ended up getting a good experience out of it and a, a good year. Now, when the the Wolves came calling for you, was that an easy decision for you to make? I know you're you're from the Buffalo area. It's not that far from Ontario. We might even say it's Southern Ontario. Uh, but what were your thoughts about that initially? Yeah, I mean, obviously when you're you know, up for the draft, you talk to a couple of teams like that. And, you know, obviously they had the highest pick. So, yeah, they, they contacted me and, yeah, just a, you know, really good organization with some really good people. And, yeah, it was a, wouldn't say a no brainer, obviously, with the college route as an American stuff. But, yeah, yeah, it took some thought into it and just thought, you know, that'd be the best uh, option for my development. And, yeah, they, they made it really easy. You know, they were really, really welcoming everyone up here. So, yeah, it was pretty pretty easy decision for me. Or the development program, were they calling too? Uh, yeah, I went to their uh, their uh, camp sort of thing, and yeah, just uh, you know, thought the OHL was a better route for me, more okay. kind of pro, kind of just getting you ready for the next level. So, and I know in Sudbury you have a teammate that was with you in North Jersey as well, in Matthew Mania, correct? Yes. So did that all happen at the same time, or did you kind of uh, convince him to come? How did that all come together? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, he's been one of my best friends since we were about uh, eight or nine years old, just, you know, playing summer hockey together. And, yeah, he's just a kid, you know, I really found myself liking. So, yeah, you know, we stuck around, hung out a lot in the summers because we didn't really live very close. He lived in uh, Michigan. But, yeah, we always found a way to, you know, see each other, hang out and stuff. So, yeah, when uh, he actually got tendered to the USHL, uh, to the Fargo Force. So, and Sudbury just happened to take him in the – you know, I think fourth or fifth round in this draft, not really expecting him to come. And then I think uh, his team's coaches got fired or something like that. And yeah, he kind of, kind of wasn't playing very much. So, yeah, you know, you know, you're always on your best friend's back to, yeah. you know, come play with you. So yeah, I was on his back a bit and then, you know, things kind of fell out there in Fargo and yeah, he made the decision to come here. So it wasn't really a planned thing, but yeah, obviously for, for me and him, it's kind of nice just, you know, having someone you know, having someone from, you know, the United States, too. That's yeah. uh, one of your best buddies playing with you uh, in a, wouldn't say foreign country, but, you know, different country, different culture. So it's nice to, nice to have someone from, 
closer to home with you. I'm curious uh, from a Canadian standpoint, an American coming up to play. What what is the biggest differences between our two countries, or uh, that that you notice? I know there's probably a lot more similarities than there are differences, but some things are different. Yeah, I mean, I know where I'm from in Buffalo. It's a pretty similar uh, climate and stuff like that. But yeah, up here in Sudbury, it's it re- real cold up here. So sure. haven't really experienced anything like that in my life. You know, negative uh, negative thirty degrees Fahrenheit. I think it hit here. Uh, last week so yeah it was pretty uh pretty new to me and yeah up here it's a it's a different culture it's not like uh you know I'm used to Toronto and those cities down south and Mm -hmm. yeah it's different culture up here the French speaking mostly and yeah it's just a, a different culture but it's nice to you know be involved in it and you know learn about it so Nice. I didn't know it was a French-speaking town. I didn't know. So I I just learned something. Yeah, there. It's a, yeah, it's pretty pretty half and half. But yeah, I feel like everyone here, you know, is bilingual with uh, French and English. So before this season, Quentin, you got to play in the uh, Ivan Holinka tournament for the United States. So what was that experience like for you? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a great experience with uh, you know playing for your country and everything like that. But yeah, I was actually I was actually uh, in the middle of. Uh, had mono during the tournament oh. so uh i was a little a little tired a little down didn't really get to enjoy it as much as uh you know everyone else did but it was still a great experience you know playing for a different coach and playing with different teammates that yeah you know grew up playing against and yeah it was just a, a great experience with uh team USA. with mono you still led the team in scoring with five points in four games uh, so uh, that's that's pretty impressive a footnote there that you had mono uh, during the Holinka Gretzky Cup. Uh, now, with the NHL draft, uh, I talked to a lot of players on this show. A lot of guys say they don't want to think about the draft. They, they don't want to get distracted by that. They don't you know, want to look to see where the scouts are in the building and things. There are other players who tell me they want to know who's got them ranked where, and you know whether it's Central Scouting or TSN or Sportsnet or whoever, and they use that as motivation. Uh, what about for you, Quentin? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm pretty calm about that stuff. I know... Uh... You know, some of the rankings that come out, you know, they're not they're not the NHL team's rankings. So, you know, I just I'm pretty focused on, you know, just working hard and playing good and you know, the better you play and the, you know, harder your work, yeah, the higher the higher you go. So that's just what I'm focused on right now, just playing the best hockey I can and yeah, just trying to go as high as possible. Well, everybody seems to have you as a first round pick. What does that mean to you or what would being taken in the first round mean to you? Yeah, I mean it's uh very humbling, but yeah, you never, you know, you're never supposed to be content. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Just still trying to, you know, climb those rankings and you know, climb teams' radars. For those of us who haven't had a chance to watch you play a whole lot, uh, how do you describe yourself as a player? Because we can look at the stats, and you know, I, I mentioned them before: 52 points, 15 goals, and 36 games. But stats don't always tell the whole story. So we know you get suspended. We know you fight. Uh, how do you describe yourself as a player? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bigger person, so probably power forward kind of player, but uh, I think I'm more of a playmaker than a, a scorer. So I think my hockey sense is pretty good, and I can just, you know, make plays that a lot of people can't. So I think that's what I bring. What areas of your game are you still trying, trying to uh, address the most before you can have success at the next level? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, being a playmaker, you know, uh, your scoring's a little bit down, so I'm just trying to, you know, get that scorer's touch and, you know, just become the best uh, finisher I can be. A lot of guys at your age have to work on uh, their size and strength and and skating. Uh, you're already a big guy, so is it about the strength and the skating? Uh, yeah, I think I'm 
um, I got I got a pretty good strength. Uh, yeah, but skating can always need work. You know, all the guys at the next level are extremely fast and extremely you know agile and stuff like that. So right. yeah, skating can never you know stop getting better. Quentin, what do you like to do away from hockey? Uh, yeah, just uh, got a good group here, so hanging out with them a lot, and then yeah, just in the summers, a uh, big golf player, big tennis player, just uh, leisure activities like that. And, yeah, I like to I like to play the guitar a bit, and then just oh. hang out with family too. You know, family's the biggest thing for me, so yeah, I just enjoy spending time with them in the summers. Electric guitar or acoustic guitar? Uh, acoustic. Okay. Not, not a rock star, but. <laughs> Is there a, a genre of music that you like? Are you uh, like a, uh, I don't know, a country guy or what? Yeah, I listen to all types, but yeah, I listen to all types, but uh, probably say I'm the biggest on country. So, and are you a singer and a, a guitar player, or do you let someone else do the vocals? No. Yeah, no, I'll I'll leave the vocals to someone else. I'm not not the very uh, very pleasing voice, so. <laughs> Leave it to someone else there. Awesome. Listen, Quentin, I appreciate your time. Uh, this was fun. I, I wish you the best of luck the rest of the way this year uh, with the uh, Sudbury Wolves and whatever happens to the draft. Uh, maybe we'll get a chance to chat again one day. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me. There's Quentin Musty of the Sudbury Wolves out of the Ontario Hockey League. The uh, Wolves are in action on Friday night. They're at home against the Erie Otters. A little behind-the-curtain look here as uh, that game is actually on right now as I'm recording this segment. Let's check in and see if uh, Musty has hit the score sheet at all in this game. Uh, he's got at least one assist as uh, the Sudbury Wolves are up 5-2 to two right now. 5-3, excuse me, on the Erie Otters after two periods. Pretty interesting player, though. Guy with size, some physical uh, toughness to his game, and uh, can obviously put up the points as well, so... Uh, we're curious to see where he goes in the uh, probably in the first round, but where does he go? Does he go, you know, in that middle ten to twenty range, or does he go in the twenty to thirty-two range? I don't think we'll see him in the first uh, in the top ten, but I could be wrong. We'll see how he finishes out the season. Speaking of finishing it out, we're going to finish out this week's episode of the Pipeline Show by uh, talking about the Bean Pot Tournament that wrapped up uh, earlier this week. Jimmy Connolly joins me every year, usually midway through the Beanpot Tournament, but uh, obviously we couldn't do that this year. Uh, so we're recapping the event and just going into the mystique of the tournament. What makes the Beanpot so special? We'll find out. Jimmy Conley from USCHO joins me next, here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Coach Dibbon could not resist leaving Newhook out there. Newhook will wind up out of his own zone. He went from Newfoundland to Victoria last year. Here he goes. Wide around the middle. Newhook shoots, scores! He does it again! Hi, it's Alex Newhook of the Victoria Grizzlies, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. from Buford loves Wilhawk beef jerky. My husband is an expressive <gasps> fan, prone to waving his arms about, which is unfortunate for those next to him. And the snacks. Do you know how hard it is to get salsa out of carpet? It was a miracle when I found Wilhawk beef jerky. No more crushed chips strewn about or toppled dips. A fistful of jerky can be waved about with little mess to clean up later. Thanks, Wilhawk. Wilhawk beef jerky. It's the best. Thank you. 
You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I can't sugarcoat this. We are at threat level midnight. A final segment to go on this week's episode of The Pipeline Show, and we're going to talk some NCAA hockey, specifically the Beanpot Tournament. And, uh, of course, it's a campus report segment, so uh, those are brought to us by College Hockey, Inc. If you're a player or you have one in your family, you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain your eligibility. Uh, why don't you get in contact with uh, Mike Snee or the crew? over at College Hockey Inc. Check out their website at collegehockeyinc.com. All right, when we're talking about the Beanpot, of course, it's an annual thing. We get Jimmy Conley from USCHO to come on the show and uh, educate us all. Uh, Jimmy, welcome back. How are things? Well, it's always good to talk to you, Guy. Things are great. Uh, What a fantastic tournament the Beanpot was this year. Yeah, and we were going to do this last week, but uh, things on my end uh, prevented us from having that conversation. But uh, the the two games last week were fantastic, and the the championship game this uh, this past Monday was terrific as well. There just seems to be something. It doesn't matter where these teams are in the pairwise. You get these four clubs together: Boston College, Boston University, Harvard, and Northeastern. Put them all in a bag and shuffle them around and uh, pull one out to pick a winner. <laughs> Because it doesn't matter. It just seems like these guys, at this time of year, the Beanpot just brings out something special. Well, it does. You know, it's a, it's a very special event. And, and this was the 70th annual. Um, they missed one year for COVID, so maybe we shouldn't use annual anymore. But 70th event. And it was um, it was a great tournament again in the last team. The team that t- finished in last place, fourth place, was the best team, Boston University. You know, yeah. they entered... I think number three in the country, number three in the pairwise. Um, you know, they lost uh, to Northeastern the first Monday, and then you know lost to their rival BC in the in the third place game, which is crazy. You know, for when you really think about the whole concept of the tournament, BC, a team that struggled going into the tournament, they almost beat Harvard Harvard in the semifinals, and then they end up in the third place game. They beat their rival BU. They never played in a consolation game, which also means that Harvard and Northeastern had never played in a final before. That's amazing. Uh, in the 70 years, it, um, totally amazing, in the 70 years of the event. Um, but you ended up with, you know, a really good third-place game that BC wins, and you're sitting there as Boston University saying, okay, we now have to put our season back together a little bit. We did not do well in this signature event this is our this you know they used to call it the boston university invitational the jack parker invitational (laughs) and here now boston university has finished last they've done it eight times i believe total and five of those eight times have been the last 12 years so it's it's just one of those events that you feel like anything can happen that's the way you want to think about it right like anything can happen it's so much fun i think these teams these players love it and certainly um, the fans, you know, the 18,000-plus that packed the garden on back-to-back Mondays uh, loved it. But it just it, it, it personified what the bean pot is supposed to be about. You don't know who's going to win. No, that's, that's the case, and, uh, fantastic. and that amazing record. In 70 years or 70 events, that Northeastern and Harvard had never met each other in the final, that is, that's mind-blowing. <laughs> I mean, it speaks to the domination for BU or BC that one of them has always been in the final. Right. But that's an incredible stat. It really, I mean, let's take, let's do, do numbers here. Every three years, you couldn't have it happen anyway because they were going to face each other in the semifinals, Northeastern and Harvard. So you know that it couldn't happen every three years, but that still leaves 67% of the tournament that it could happen and it never did. Yeah. 
And, you know, we, we, we started calling it the unicorn because this was the unicorn bean pot. It never happened. You don't see it. You can't find it again. I don't know how often it's going to happen going forward, but it was fun. I think that that was, you know, created a lot about the, the backstory. Um, and then the game that the, those two teams delivered, um, you know, in both Mitchell Gibson and Devin Levi, two goaltenders that everybody knows they're going to have a career going forward, right? Like they're going to be in the NHL someday. Um, both of them were so good. And the, the way the drama played out in the ice, was was enjoyable for the fans at the end of the game i don't know that everybody loved that this was the first ever bean pot to be decided by a shootout yeah you know it always went to 20 minute overtimes uh prior to this there was a like a i don't know a two-year four-year period where it would go to five minute overtimes just to say hey we tied and then we would play 20 minute overtimes after that but uh, you know, in the past, it had always been 20-minute overtime. So it was a little crazy not to have that, to go right to a shootout. There's a lot of purists, I can tell you, around the country that are really upset about this right now. Um, but at the end of the night, you know, Northeastern lifts the bean pot. Um, it was a fantastic game, a fantastic display of probably the best college hockey you can see in the city of Boston. 18,000 plus fans. That's as good as it gets. Now, there's something about this tournament that's special because all four of these teams' uh, programs are based in that one city. Is that unique? Could anybody else in the country, uh, like another city, could there be four programs that do this anywhere else? Or is this just something that Boston is able to do? No, and technically, Boston isn't even really able to do this because Harvard. Uh, they're in Cambridge. They play their games in Boston. There's a river that separates the two campuses, but their games are played in Boston. Boston College, they're in Chestnut Hill, which is technically not Boston, but they use the Boston police because the road right outside their stadium is Boston. I mean, <laughs> it's very like on the line of whether all four teams are really in Boston. Okay. Um, but no, no, there's no way you could fo- find four teams this close. I mean, Connecticut is trying it right now with what they're calling the Connecticut Ice. It's uh, Quinnipiac, Yale, Sacred Heart, and UConn. But those teams are separated by, you know, anywhere from an hour to 90 minutes, you know, depending on what campuses you're going between. Um, So, no, I guess not. You know, the GLI, I think, has done some fantastic things over the years. Five teams in the state of Minnesota, uh, in the state of Michigan, that they had taken three or four per year, you know, per year. Um, I know Minnesota tried this, you know, a few years ago. I think it was the North Star Classic or something like that, where they tried to get four of the Minnesota teams. But, the, you know, you're talking statewide, not yeah. citywide. And when you think about the TD Garden, you know, Ted Donato talked about, somebody asked him about his memories of, of the bean pot. And he played in, I think his last one was 89. So think about that. So the mid 80s to 89. And they said, what do you remember of the bean pot? And he said, I remember taking the T, which is the public transit system, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hopping on a trolley car with your hockey bag and your stick and taking it to the garden. That was the easiest way to get there, probably. You know, you don't want to go through traffic, so you just hop on the, the transit system, get down there, and then you walk in. I mean, it's gotten a little more sophisticated with, like, probably police escorts and stuff like that to get the buses there now, but... um it's it's just it's so compact and when i tell you that a social event 
it really the bean pot is as much a social event as it is a hockey event. And people go there to be seen. It's almost I, I don't have a comparison in sports. It's you know, it's kinda like a Super Bowl where you just you wanna be there just so somebody sees you, hmm. but at the same time you wanna watch the game. And the games are fantastic. And for the four schools that are involved, the emotion of the fan bases is just off the charts. And the bragging rights that you pull once you win a bean pot. Now bean you know, Northeastern has won four of the last five after you know, going almost 30 years, I think it was, without winning one. They are bragging as much as they can, and you don't <laughs> want to deal with a, a, an NU alum these days. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Jimmy Conley from USCHO is my guest uh, here on the Pipeline Show this week. We're uh, looking back at, at the bean pot and just the overall uh, mystique of uh, that tournament. Uh, and I met all, all, what, four games all sold out at, uh, at TD Garden? Uh, packed, and I mean packed. I was wondering what the uh, the championship game would be like without a BC or a BU in there, but you can tell that uh, Northeastern fans and even some Harvard fans bought some of the extra tickets that were available. You know, you had so it's a single single ticket for both nights. So maybe by the championship game, some of those BC and BU fans that actually attended the consolation. I'm sorry. I should not say the consolation game, the third place game, because <laughs> they will not use the word consolation. There's no consoling in the bean pot. Um, but the people that attended the third place game might have gone home. But at the end of the day, there was so many. There were so many people that just were there to watch great college hockey. And whether you watched the third place game or the championship game or both, you saw really good college hockey. Um, you know, BC, even BCBU a natural rival in the city of Boston playing for the third place uh, in the third place game, a 4-2 win where BU came back from two goals down. BC wins it on a late goal and gets an empty netter. I mean, that that was pretty good hockey as well. Now, uh, all four of these programs, are they playing in front of solid crowds uh, through the regular season? I'd love to say they were, but they're not. You know, I mean, you know, Harvard, I'm going to say that they probably averaged, you know, somewhere around, 1,800 to 2,000 fans a night. BC's probably in the four to 5,000 range. B- BU in the three to 4,000 range. Northeastern probably in the same thing, you know, 2,500 to 4,000. So they don't pack them, but this event brings it out. There are certain nights, and especially when those same teams play one another. You know, you get BC, BU at either Kelly Rink in Chestnut Hill or over at Jack Parker Rink in, in, uh, in Boston. Those are packed games, and they are the most fun. I broadcast both of them on Nesson this year, and I will tell you the atmosphere in both buildings was really good, off the charts. The bean pot, though, for some reason goes to another level. Yeah, um, It's the bigger building. You know, the student sections, you can have student sections at both those buildings with probably 2,500 students in each, wow. and the chance, the cheering that goes on between the two it, it's it's something different. I know you've been to a Frozen Four before, and you've seen some of the the excitement of the, you know between the fan sections. But this is different. You've got to get down at some point, Guy, for one of these uh, bean pots because it really is something you you don't see anywhere else in hockey. Is there some frustration that it doesn't carry over to the rest of the regular season, though? For for at least for these four teams, like if you can pack the barn for this, why don't they get more fans? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. You know. 
it, it's it's so different. Um, I'm sure there is. Listen, the marketing people would love to take yeah. you know that that quarter of the section that they had at the TV Garden on every Monday night and just pluck that right into their building and say, why can't we have this every night? You know, it, it goes. I think a lot of it goes by how good your team is. And Northeastern right now, you know, you go to, into their building the next two three weeks. They're going to be banged out. The, the, the student section, the doghouse there will be absolutely, you know, rabid. They'll be right above the goaltender. They put them right above the goaltender in the, uh, you know, the first and third period. And it's loud for that goaltender to listen to the whole time. Um, Boston College, you know, it's a tough, it's, it's tough on some of these campuses. Like a BC, you have so many great athletics. You know, you have a football team that's a Division One power five you have a basketball team that's the same thing women's basketball so it's always fighting for the entertainment eye whether it's a dollar or not i know some of these students don't have to pay to attend certain games so it's like how do you figure out how to get these people in the building harvard listen these kids have a lot more to do than go to a hockey game at that school and then you know in boston university i think that is probably one of the best attended um, campuses in terms of hockey. And when their team is playing well, as it is right now, they can bang out again, this arena. So does it frustrate? I'm sure marketing people, athletic directors, people that are in charge of putting fans in the stands, of course. But at the same time, you're very happy just to see your patronage. And don't forget, there are also people from all around the city that have nothing to do with any of the four schools that are just dying right. to attend the bean pot. My, my mother, I'll tell you a story. My mother in 1988, maybe 88, 89, somewhere around there. I was so dying to go to a bean pot. I think it was about 14 years old. Okay. And she drove over to Harvard on Monday before the first game. And Harvard was the only school that still had tickets left. And she bought tickets that day. And I went to my first bean pot and every year while I was in high school, she always bought tickets at Harvard because they didn't sell their tickets. They could, they didn't have such a big fan base in the old Boston Garden to sell the tickets. And that was how I got into my first beat pot. And I will never forget that. Like, I still remember her doing that. So that is how desperate people are to get tickets. And I, you know, people call me and say, hey, can you get me tickets? I say, hey, drive over to Harvard <laughs> you know, about a week before because they might still have tickets left. You know, but that it's so hard to get tickets to the event. So when you do, even if you're not affiliated with any of the four schools, you still take that as one of your best hockey memories ever. Fantastic. That's great. Well, hey, listen, before I let you go, Jimmy, I guess we could just touch on maybe Hockey East and what's uh, what are you looking for story-wise here in the last uh, month of regular season play before we get into the playoffs? Well, I mean, it's, it's too tight of a lead to call, right? You know, I... I did the uh, main UMass Lowell game on uh, on Sunday on Nesson, and we were talking before the game and where teams could finish. And UMass Lowell could finish anywhere from first place all the way to tenth place. Wow. Maine could finish all the way from first place to last place, eleventh place in the league. So that's how crazy and wide open the league is. I think the big storyline though for hockey East right now, BU is going to get into the national tournament. There's no doubt about that. It's will anybody else? Mm. Northeastern is a bubble team. They're inside the bubble. But you have UMass Lowell, UConn, Merrimack, Providence, all sitting right there, right outside the pairwise bubble. You might get three teams in. You might get two teams in. 
You might get four teams in, but you might only get one team in from Hockey East, which has never happened in the history of the league, that only one Hockey East team gets in. That's all on the table right now. So I think that's the biggest storyline I think I'm going to have to watch as this season gets toward the final, right toward the finish line. Remember at the start of the year I had you on and we were talking about, uh, well, I mentioned UConn was my team kind of uh, of curiosity this year. Still love UConn. They got out of the gate so well, but in the last month and a half or so, it's like they win one weekend to get swept the next weekend. Then they sweep and then they get swept. It, what's what's happened uh, with, the, with the Huskies? Well, it's every team at the top. You know, I mean, Merrimack got to, to the, the top. At the beginning, they've slipped. UConn got to the top. They've slipped. You know, any team that was really high at Christmas time, I'm going to say, except Boston University, started to slip. Any team that was really low has started to come up. So you've seen teams like New Hampshire, Maine winning games. You've seen Northeastern, which was 40th in the pairwise. I mean, that's so far out of the national tournament. They were 40th in the pairwise before they played UConn at Fenway on, I think it was about January 6th or 7th, somewhere in there. Might have been around the 8th. But they were 40th in the pairwise. They're now actually right there on the tournament bubble. Mm. But it's been a grind to get there. And the bottom has played better in the second half. The top has played worse. The teams that are in the middle are actually the teams that I keep my eye on. UMass Lowell. Um, Maybe Boston College. They've kind of struggled at times. But there's some teams, Providence, right there in the middle, could they be the teams that push it and push hockey over the end and get a third team in the tournament? Those are the, probably going to be the bubble teams. It's going to all really come down to what is a single elimination hockey's tournament. Nobody uh, remembers that sometimes, but it used to be best of three for the first two rounds, all single elimination. So one game you're done, your, your season could be on the line in one night. And it's going to be an exciting finish to uh, Hockey East and uh, elsewhere in the NCAA as well. Jimmy, this is always a treat for me. Uh, thanks a lot for uh, making time again for the Pipeline Show. All right, Guy, thanks so much. It's good to good to hear from you and to everybody up uh, above the border. It's good to talk to you. Oh, Jimmy! The one and only Jimmy Connolly from USCHO with uh, the inside scoop there on the Bean Pot. He's right there in uh, Bean Town. And he's right. That is a tournament. Uh, it's on the bucket list. One of those things I would love to be able to get down to and experience. You'd have to book a couple of weeks to do it, though. I guess about 10 days because it starts uh, one week and ends a week later. But that would be a lot of fun. And with that, that is going to wrap up uh, this week's episode. It's late coming out, so I want to finish it off. It's going to actually uh, come out on the Saturday morning now, I've decided. Uh, gives patrons a little bit of time as uh, the early access Usually that happens, I'll have an interview with a guy, say it's a Tuesday. Early access will uh, mean that I edit the interview, upload it to the Patreon site. Same day, usually a couple of hours, uh, within a couple of hours of the actual interview. That not possible this week, uh, spending a lot of time, all my free time basically, at the hospital uh, with my kid. Uh, So I was not able to get the early access out, so uh, doing that here at the last minute. So these are coming out on Friday uh, up to the Patreon site. They're going to be available exclusively for patrons. And then Saturday morning, I will release uh, this week's episode in full for the general public. If you want to be a patron, go to patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. Next week on the program, more of the same. And unfortunately, my kid is still in hospital, so uh, it's going to be a touch and go as... uh, for when I can do interviews and I get them out. Uh, so uh, 
kind of flying by the seat of my pants right now, but uh, that is the endeavor. That's the goal, anyway, uh, is for an episode to come out next Friday. Between now and then, get out and watch some junior college hockey so that we can talk about it right here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Until next week, I'm Guy Flaming. See ya!